Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Well, hi, everyone, and happy Easter. Hey, it is an honor to be able to celebrate this Easter Sunday with you, and I absolutely love the song that our team just sang a moment ago because it really captures the heart of what this day is all about, and that is the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen from the grave. And so for that, hey, that today is a day of celebration. And listen, whether you are watching this maybe in your home or wherever you might be, isn't it amazing? In fact, it has been estimated that over 1 billion people around the world are gathering together to all celebrate the same thing, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't it awesome to know that the tomb is empty and Jesus Christ is alive? Man, you ought to send some fire emojis and some 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 little hallelujah praise hands up in the air because, listen, today is truly worth celebrating. But you know, isn't it amazing? It's also quite frankly, somewhat tragic and it's sad to also know that throughout the entire calendar year, so many people who claim to be followers of Jesus, who say they know Him as their Savior, live in each, each and every day as though He were dead rather than alive. And so today on this Easter, here's what I want to talk with you today about, and that is how to turn your disappointments into a greater sense of faith in your life. Because, listen, if, if we're not careful, our disappointments can derail us. And man alive, when we reflect back over the last 12 months, as we think about 2020 and all of the things that we endured throughout the calendar year of 2020, I don't know about you, but there was a lot of things that took place, sad and unfortunate, a lot of disappointments and setbacks. But here's what I know. From talking with a lot of people, there is also a lot of unanswered questions. And it has forced many people, because of the hurt and the disappointments and maybe the unanswered questions that maybe they've had to maybe try to figure out in a very difficult and complex way, people have often said, where in the world is God in all of this? And maybe you have found yourself even asking the same thing. Maybe you've asked yourself, where's God in all of this? Well, can I just remind you on this Easter Sunday that God is right where he has always been. The problem is, is we just don't see him. We don't recognize him. And so as a result, today, we're going to be talking about how to turn our disappointments into our greatest strengths. In other words, we can live in victory rather than defeat. And so I want to share with you an amazing story about two men who unfortunately had experienced one of the most disappointing moments in their life. And what they were so disappointed about was the fact that the man whom they had followed, the man whom they had you know, had, had believed in their hearts was the Messiah. 
Jesus, the one whom, who had ultimately changed their life, was suddenly now being crucified on a cross. And just like we all know in those final moments in Jesus' life, when he uttered those three words, it is finished. From those two men's perspective, they believed that it was over. In other words, lights were out. As far as they were concerned, Jesus was dead. And it was the single most difficult and disappointing day of their lives. And the reason why is because their hopes and their dreams, their future aspirations had completely been shattered. As far as they were concerned, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed that Jesus was going to come and rescue them and deliver them from the Roman rule and empire. And, 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 they, and, and, and Jesus was going to be crowned as the king and he was going to rule the world and reign and set up and establish his kingdom here on earth. And yet here he was dangling from a cross. So from their perspective, all hope was lost because in their mind, Jesus was dead. Now, three days later, we also know that Jesus had, ro- had arose from the grave. He had risen back to life. And some women who had testified and witnessed his resurrection, along with several others, they had sent reports, and these two men were aware of the fact that Jesus supposedly had come back to life. But the problem was, in their mind, they had already convinced themselves that it was over because as far as they were concerned, Jesus was dead. So we pick up the story in Luke chapter 24, in verses 13 through 16. And it says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had just happened. And as they had talked and discussed these things with each other, notice Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept, notice they were kept from recognizing him. So here these two men had literally just missed the single most amazing thing that had ever taken place in all of human history, and that was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here their fellow believers, their brothers and sisters in Christ, they were in Jerusalem. They had all witnessed and and, and they were now celebrating that Jesus Christ was alive. He had come back to life. But unfortunately and tragically, these two men had left the scene and they had gone the opposite direction simply because they were convinced that Jesus was dead. What's interesting is that when Jesus inserted himself in the conversation, they didn't even recognize who he even was. Has that ever happened to you before? Have you ever been in a situation or maybe been in an environment or maybe been at a party and you know, there was somebody in the crowd and, and they were there and somebody later told you, you they were there, but yet you didn't recognize them. In other words, you were just oblivious to the fact that so-and-so was in the room. You know, that actually happened to us a number of years ago when um, our children were much younger and uh, our two daughters at the time, you know, they were uh, Jonas Brothers fans. This was when the Jonas Brothers, you know, the three brothers, they were on top of the world. And our son, uh, Luke, was in a wheelchair at the time. And we had traveled to Texas during the Thanksgiving holidays. And um, uh, 
you know, as tradition has gone through the years, the Cowboys always play at home on Thanksgiving Day. And of course, one of the big things is they have a big halftime show. And it just so happened that the Jonas Brothers were performing at the halftime show on Thanksgiving Day there at Cowboy Stadium. Well, we decided to go. Our girls, they wanted so bad to go see the Jonas Brothers. And so we all went and sure enough, um, we got to see the Jonas Brothers. But here's the cool thing. Our son, Luke, uh, he was in a wheelchair. He had a rare hip disease. He was in a wheelchair for nearly 30, excuse me, nearly three years. And uh, one of the perks of the fact that he was in a wheelchair is that he, oftentimes he got, you know, he got VIP treatment. And sure enough, on this day, they put us right down there in front. You know, there was a, a handicap sec- section with reserve seating. And man, we got right there close and in person with the Jonas Brothers. Our girls, they were on cloud nine. Well, after the concert was over, uh, we decided to leave because we were going to go back uh, to see some of our family. And so uh, the security uh, officer who was with us, uh, we were willing, uh, we were rolling uh, Luke out and we were all going towards the service elevator. And so we got in the service elevator and the security officer uh, was, you know, was getting ready to take us down when suddenly a group of young men came walking into the service elevator with us along with another gentleman. And so when the door shut, we went down to the very bottom and, you know, these guys, they were all kind of looking at us and our girls and of course Luke, they were all smiling and sure enough, the doors open and everybody went their separate ways. And suddenly our girls, they just kind of blurted out. They said, dad, did you recognize who was in the elevator with us? I said, no. I said, who was it? He said, they said it was the, it was the whole band of the Jonas brothers and the Jonas brothers father, Paul Jonas. They were in the elevator with us. I was oblivious. I didn't even recognize who they were, even though I was right there in front of them during the concert. And that's exactly what had happened with these two men who were walking on this road to the village called Emmaus. When Jesus showed up on the scene, actually talking with them, walking with them, yet they didn't recognize who he even was. And so just like those two men who were blinded by the reality that Jesus is alive, I believe that there are a lot of people, unfortunately, who are blinded, still blinded by the fact that Jesus is alive. And the reason why is because they live each and every day of their lives as though he were dead. And so there are three things that I want us to talk about on this Easter Sunday when it comes to, you know, what do you do when your disappointments derail your faith? And the first is this, is you have got to move. You have got to move towards Jesus. And let me tell you why that's so important. Because you see, one of the reasons why these two men missed the fact that Jesus was alive was because they went the opposite direction from where the other believers were. In other words, rather than being with their brothers and sisters celebrating that Jesus had come back to life, they missed out on the miracle. Instead, they went the opposite direction. Disappointed, disillusioned, defeated. They had a lot of unanswered questions because, again, in their mind, Jesus was dead. You know, one of the things that I've learned in nearly 30 years of ministry, and it's the thing that probably breaks my heart the most, to be honest with you, 
is to see individuals who encounter maybe a setback. It could be a painful divorce. You know, it could be maybe just a series of some bad decisions or choices they've made. You know, it could be maybe a crisis or a hardship that they face in life. And what's sad and unfortunate is that rather than people running towards the church, rather than people moving towards Jesus in those difficult seasons, often what happens is they go the opposite direction. Often what happens is they begin to drift. And I see it all the time. I even see people who will drift spiritually, they will drift morally, and they begin to drift relationally. In other words, they're not where they could be or they're not where they should be in their spiritual life. Why? Because their disappointments have derailed their faith. My wife, Michelle, and I, we wrote a book recently called Family Shift because we've seen this exact same thing happen even among families. And what's interesting to me is that we have so many families who are not where they could be or should be spiritually. A lot of them, unfortunately, have drifted and they've maybe have allowed other things to maybe crowd out their priorities when it comes to their spiritual priorities or maybe their moral standards and values. And as a result, they've said yes to a lot of good things that the world has to offer rather than experiencing the best things that God has to offer. And so what we talk about in this book is we talk about something known as the danger of drift. And I'm going to share it with you because the D in drift stands for disappointments and distractions. And that's exactly what happens. The very first thing that begins to happen sometimes is people drift, is they go through a disappointment, or it could even be a distraction. You know, it could be, again, some good things. It could even be success. I've even found people who are maybe going through a season of advancement and prosperity, good times, and all the blessings that God, you know, is blessing them with, all of a sudden, they take advantage of that to the point to where in their mind they're thinking, well, man, life is good. I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of this season and just live life to its full, all the while neglecting their time with God. Maybe substituting, once again, the good things from you know, the, the better things, the great things that God has for them. Another thing is the letter R, which stands for regret. And often what happens is people, they begin to regret maybe decisions that have been made. They begin to regret, you know, maybe where they are in their life. And all of a sudden that leads them to the I and drift. And that's the isolation where they feel maybe disconnected, alone. They feel as though, you know, they, they're, they're kind of stuck in their situation and circumstances, which leads to the F and drift. And that is frustration. And so often what happens, we get frustrated with our circumstances, we get frustrated with other people, we get frustrated because things aren't going as we had hoped, which leads us to the T in drift, and that is the tension. In other words, where our life is now just consumed with the tension and the stress, all because what has happened? We have moved away from Jesus rather than moving toward Jesus. And just like these two men who went the opposite direction, they walked seven miles away from Jerusalem to this little village called Emmaus. And here Jesus was walking right with them, inserted himself in the conversation, yet they didn't recognize who he even was. Why? Because in their mind, they believed that Jesus was dead rather than believing the fact that he was alive. 
You know, what's sad and unfortunate is that anytime we find ourselves drifting in our spiritual life or drifting in our relationships or drifting maybe in our moral decisions and values, we have one of two choices. We can either continue to drift to move further and further away from God's plans and purposes, principles for our lives, or we can make a shift and we can move towards Jesus. You know, today... On this Easter Sunday, my wife Michelle and I and our church, the generosity of our church, we want to make this book available to you and we'll send it to you for free. If you will take care of the shipping and handling, we'll send this book to you free of charge. And all you have to do is go to our website because we want to help you make whatever shift that you need to make in order to avoid drifting because we want you to move. We want you to move towards Jesus. I love the fact in Psalm 34, verses 17 through 18, it says, The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. And the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Let me tell you something. Listen, the Bible says in James 4, 8, Come close to God, and He will come close to you. At the end of the day, listen, we are all as close to God as we choose to be. So when it comes to your disappointments in life, when it comes to those unanswered questions that maybe derail you, the first thing you need to do is you need to move. You got to move towards Jesus. The second thing we need to do is we need to focus. So we got to move and we've got to focus. You say, what do you mean? We got to focus. In other words, we got to focus on Jesus rather than our problems. In the story, as we pick it back up in verse 17, Jesus, again, he's walking and talking with these two men. And he asked them the question. He said, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short and sadness was written all across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, he replied and he said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. And Jesus said, what things? I thought that was kind of funny. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from, from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. So again, here are these two men who were completely derailed by the disappointment that Jesus was dead. Rather than focusing on the fact that he was alive, they were focusing on the fact that he was dead. Now I want you to listen very closely to what I'm about to say, and this is a, this is a truth that I want you to embrace today. Listen, what you focus on expands. So if you spend all of your mental energy focusing on your hurt or your problems or your setbacks or your disappointments or betrayal or difficulties or whatever it might be, whatever you focus on expands. Why in the world would we want to waste our mental energy focusing on the negative when Jesus Christ is alive? Why focus on things that are dead when we can focus on the one who is alive and living 
inside of us because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If God is for you, then who in the world can be against you? Listen, I just believe with all of my heart that there are some of us here today, we need to focus. Listen, we need to focus on Jesus rather than our problems. Hey, if you're going through some marriage difficulties right now, listen, focus on Jesus. Man, if you got some kids who have made some bad decisions or running with the wrong crowd or they have drifted, you know, spiritually and morally in their life, listen, focus on Jesus. Listen, if you have encountered some setbacks with your job and maybe you're unemployed right now, you're encountering some financial hardships, listen, focus on Jesus, because what you focus on expands. Listen, you let Jesus get bigger and bigger and allow him to help you allow your problems to become smaller and smaller. Listen, I just believe that we serve a God who specializes in bringing dead things back to life. Listen, he is in the business of resurrecting dead things. Jesus didn't come into the world to make bad people good. No, he came into the world to do what? To make dead people alive. So if you think that maybe you're in a situation that is dead, can I just remind you today that your situation is not dead because Jesus is alive and he is in the resurrection business. Listen, he can give you a resurrection injection and turn whatever it is that's dead, and I believe he can resurrect it and bring it back to life. If you will move towards Jesus and you will focus on him. The third thing we got to do on this Easter, we got to move, we got to focus, and we got to believe. Say that with me again. We got to move, we got to focus, we got to believe. We got to move, we got to focus, we have got to believe. Because in the stories, we pick it back up. In Luke chapter 24, verses 30 and 32, I love this. It says, as they sat down to eat. So these men had invited Jesus. Now as they arrived there in the village of Emmaus, they had invited Jesus to stay with them. And so Jesus, he went into their home and they sat down. And the Bible says, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Notice, then he broke it and gave it to them suddenly. Notice, suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Now, all of a sudden, this man, who they had been convinced in their mind, Jesus, who was dead, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized the fact that he was right there among them. They recognized and saw the fact that he was alive. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ rolled that stone away, he didn't roll the stone away so he could get out. No, he rolled the stone away so that we could look in and see and recognize that the tomb is empty. He's not there. Why? Because he has been raised back to life. He is alive. And because he's alive, listen, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave can come inside of you and can change you and transform you and make you into a new person. He specializes in bringing dead things back to life. Let me ask you a question. 
How does Jesus come alive in our lives? Let me just share with you several things. Number one is you got to know him. In other words, you have to have a personal relationship with him. And my question to you on this Easter Sunday is, do you know Jesus? Have you admitted to God that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? We've all made mistakes. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. We've all fallen short of God's perfect holy standard. But that's why Jesus came. God sent his one and only son to die for your sin and mine. And that's the reason why when he said it is finished, he paid the ultimate price so that we wouldn't have to pay it. Instead, he paid the ultimate price so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have salvation, so that we could be spiritually rescued from the penalty of sin, so that we could be given new life and have purpose here on earth and have an eternal home in heaven. That happened to me when I was 18 years of age on April 22nd, 1984. I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ, He changed my life. And I tell people all the time, I'm not what I want to be. I'm certainly not what I ought to be. A lot of people can testify and affirm that one. But because of Jesus, I'm not what I used to be. He changed me and He can do the same for you. The second thing we got to do is, listen, we got to take that next step and we got to go public with our faith. And the best way the Bible teaches us to do that is through something known as water baptism. You know what baptism is? It's a beautiful picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's how, that's how the early believers let people know that they were followers of Jesus was through water baptism. So in essence, when they went down into the water and they came up, up, came up out of the water, they were being just like Jesus when he was buried. And when they came up out of the water, they were being just like Jesus when he came back to life. In essence, that's what we do. When we go down in the water, we're saying goodbye to the old life and we're saying hello to a new life. And if you've never been baptized by immersion, can I just invite you to text these words, RTL baptism. Just text RTL baptism. And we want to invite you to be a part of an orientation because next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating changed lives with those who are going to be water baptized. And we'd be honored to baptize you. What a moment, what a day to celebrate, to invite friends and family members to come and celebrate with you on this all-important day as you celebrate this milestone of taking your faith public through water baptism. Another thing that we need to do to make Jesus Christ come alive in our lives, you ready for this? This is so important, is to get connected to a church family. I believe one of the reasons why these two guys, man, they were experiencing you know, so much disappointment was because they had disassociated themselves with the other believers. Rather than being connected, being strengthened in their faith, being reaffirmed, listen, being encouraged and hope-filled, these guys were out on their own. And that is the picture of so many people, sadly and unfortunately, who again, they've drifted. And as a result of running, instead of running to Jesus, a lot of people, they just, they go off and they just do their own thing. Let me tell you something, you need a church family. Listen, when the wheels come off, when difficulties come, you need people you can call. You need people who know you by name. You need people in your life you can do life with. You need life-giving friendships who will help you grow and mature, who will inspire you spiritually. You need a church family that you belong to who's truly your family that you can worship with and that you can help advance the purposes of God with. The last thing that I believe is so important for us to come alive in Christ is by spending time in His Word every day, by reading the Bible and spending time in prayer. And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, man, I've tried that. I can't understand the Bible. When I try to read the Bible, I have no idea what it's even saying. 
Let me simplify it for you. You ready? Here's how you can understand the Bible. All you have to do to understand the Bible is to find Jesus on every page. Because at the end of the day, here's the Bible in a nutshell. Jesus is coming, Jesus came, and Jesus is coming again. And I'm here to tell you, when you spend time in God's Word, man, it comes alive. Listen, suddenly your eyes are open. You're now beginning to see with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual ears because now you have the wisdom of God that's been activated. It gives you the clarity on how to live your life. It helps you to make wise decisions. It gives you boldness and confidence to live your life with victory because the Word of God has been activated in your life. Jesus said it best in John 15. He said, apart from me, you can't do anything. We need to be plugged into the power source each and every day. I love the fact that in verse 32, when these men had recognized that Jesus is with them, they said to each other in verse 32, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as, we, as, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? I'm here to tell you, when you read the word of God, man, your heart is rekindled. Your heart is lit on fire. Why? Because you are drawing close to Jesus. Remember, we got to, listen, we got to move towards Jesus. We got to focus. Rather than focusing on our problems, we're going to focus on Jesus. And here's the key. We got to believe. We got to believe that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive in our lives. The question is, do you see him? Do you see him? Do you recognize him? Listen, I believe with all of my heart that today, Jesus Christ, listen, if you're in a dead situation right now, I believe he can bring it back to life. I want to share something with you as we wrap up our time together. A very dear family, some friends of ours, of our family, many years ago, unfortunately, had experienced one of the most devastating pieces of information. You can only imagine a family could experience. Their nine-year-old daughter was diagnosed with a rare heart condition. Basically, it was a virus that had attacked her heart that was causing her heart to turn to stone. And unfortunately, the only hope for her was for her to receive a heart transplant. And they were able to put her on an artificial heart. In fact, she had what was known as a Berlin heart for four months that was virtually keeping her alive. She was waiting. She was on a waiting list for, a, for a, a heart donor to help her with a heart transplant, but it had to be the right blood type. And so after four months, suddenly they got the call, and the call was that a 15-year-old boy in Miami, Florida, unfortunately, was in a uh, fatal car accident. He lost his life but because he was a heart donor and because he had a perfect blood type, a match, that our, little, that our friend Grayson had, was needing, here's the key. The key was is that they were able to, to take that young man's heart and they were able to transplant his heart into her body. You know what's interesting to me about that whole situation is that someone else had to die in order for her to live. And that's exactly the way God has provided a way for you and me. You see, there had to be a donor, someone who had the perfect blood type. And guess who it is? His name is Jesus. And the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross, listen to this, is a perfect match that helps remove and to cleanse and to wash away all of our sins. And you know what? 
The same is true because Jesus had to die first so that you and I would have the opportunity to live. You see, before there, there was ever an Easter, there was first a Calvary. And my question to you is this. Has Jesus Christ come alive in your life? Listen, has he been made alive in your heart today? Well, if not, on this Easter, I want to invite you right where you are to make the most important decision of your life. And that is to put your faith, and to put your trust in the person of Jesus Christ. Would you join me in a word of prayer? And if you're there, uh, maybe by yourself, or maybe you're joined with some of your friends, or maybe your family that are watching this, if you've never put your faith in Jesus right there, just in the privacy of your heart, would you be willing to pray this prayer? You can say something like this. Just say, Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that Jesus died, was buried, came back to life. And today by faith, Jesus, I'm inviting you to come into my heart, to forgive me and to save me and to change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. You know, there may be some of you who are also watching this today and you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've already prayed that kind of prayer. There's no question in your heart. But maybe you're guilty of living your life as though Jesus were dead. Maybe there was a time where you felt closer to Jesus than you are right now. Maybe you're not where you could be. Maybe you're not where you should be. Maybe you're the one who's drifted. Well, today it's time to move. It's time to focus. And it's time to believe. It's time to allow Jesus once again to be made, listen, alive in your heart. And maybe as a follower of Jesus, you need to confess your sin today and make wrongs right and rekindle that fire in your heart once again. Well, today, let me just say, if you prayed that prayer and you invited Jesus in your heart, would you do me a huge favor? Hey, would you just text the words RTL, I decided, or if you're watching on our website, just click that I decided button. We want to send you a form that you can fill out. And as soon as you submit that, we're going to send you a little booklet called Rethinking Life Every Day. It's a little PDF, electronic booklet we're going to send to you. That'll be a great source of help and encouragement to help you get started in your new spiritual journey. Well, I want you to know I love you. Thank you so much for being a part of this Easter celebration. And li listen, I just want to leave you with this. That listen, Jesus is alive. And because he lives, we too can live our lives on purpose. We'll see you next week. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.